this spirit with you. Don't let whatever else take away from the idea that we are celebrating the birth of our Lord. So I want to just give you a little something to think about, something for you to take home with you. So, Father, as always, we need you in everything we need you. But ever so much when we're trying to get your people to hear your voice. So, Lord, no human agent can actually get that done. It's only you working through us that makes it possible. So, Father, I'm asking that you would just take over right now. Let your spirit be in complete control. And everything that is said, Lord God, let it be from you. Because you know what your people need to hear. You know, God. So let that happen today. Let every heart be encouraged, be challenged, to be moved a little closer to you. And I thank you, Father, for what you're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen, 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 amen. Merry Christmas. Now, I know most of the time you're waiting for the story of Mary and Joseph and the inn, waiting for the, the angels and the shepherds and all of that. It's a wonderful story. Wonderful story. But that's not what we're going to talk about today. And this is the thing. For all of you that, that question whether Christ really is the Son of God and whether all of this stuff actually makes any sense, you have to stop and consider that when you read the narratives from Matthew and Luke, you see enough evidence of enough people who were interacting at that time that if the story was just made up, there would have been too many holes. You can't get that many characters going all telling the same story consistently if it was just made up. So when you read the stories, you realize something actually happened special on that day. We had angels, we had shepherds. Now, th there weren't any animals in the manger. That's something we made up. It, we, yeah, we just made that up. Jesus had to go out into the manger, out into the, the barn area, because there was no more rooms in the hotel, because it was a time when everybody was coming into the city. So you know what happens if you book your re reservations at the last minute. You get whatever's left over <laughs> or nothing at all. So they end up out in the barn area, and Mary, look, look, Joe, the baby coming. So here it is. But it fulfilled the prophecy that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. But that we know. We know it was something special. But it's actually the rest of the book that tells us why it was special. Starting with John 3, 16 and 17. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. I, I just want to emphasize that point, that Jesus came not to tell everybody you're going to hell. So when you have those preachers that talk, you're going to hell, you're going to hell, you're going to hell. I guess that might be just their thing. But Jesus didn't come to condemn the world because the message of condemnation, the results of what we've done was already established. There was no need to come and make an announcement. But he came so that the world might be saved through him. Then in John, the first chapter says, in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. He was with God from the beginning. Then 
John 1.14 says the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. This is why that moment was so special, because this wasn't just another baby being born, but this was God putting his plan into action so that we might be saved. So someone might ask, well, preacher, well, why do I need to be saved? Wasn't I good? He's like, no, you weren't. No, you were not. No, you were not good. I was not good. None of us was good. You know why? Because Adam messed it up. The very first one of us. We couldn't get through three chapters of the book before we messed up. Adam messed it up. But Jesus is our second chance. That's why this is important, because Jesus is our second chance. If you go to Romans, the fifth chapter, and I'm going to be reading from the message just so things is clear. Starting at the 12th verse, you know the story of how Adam landed us in the dilemma we are in. First sin, then death, and no one ex exempt from either sin or death. That sin disturbed relations with God and everything and everyone. But the extent of that disturbance was not clear until God spelled it out in detail to Moses. So death, this huge abyss separating us from God, dominated the landscape from Adam to Moses. Even those who didn't sin precisely as Adam did by just disobeying a specific command of God still had to experience this termination of life, this separation from God. But Adam, who got us into this, also points ahead to the one who will get us out of it. Yet the rescuing gift is not exactly parallel to the death-dealing sin. If one, sin, one man's sin put crowds of people at the dead in abyss of separation from God, just think what God's gift poured out one man, Jesus Christ, will do. There's no comparison between that death-dealing sin and this generous life-giving gift. The verdict on that one sin was the death sentence. The verdict on the many sins that followed was this wonderful life sentence. If death got the upper hand through one man's wrongdoing, can you imagine the breathtaking recovery life makes absolute life in those, those who grasp with both hands this widely extravagant life gift that grand setting everything right that the one man Jesus Christ provides. Here it is in a nutshell. Just as one person did wrong and got us all in trouble with sin, and another person did right and got us out of it, but more than just getting us out of trouble, he got us into life. One man said to God and said, to, said no to God and put many people in the wrong. One man said yes to God and put many in the right. 1 Corinthians said it this way. One man became a living being and the other man became a life-giving spirit. So it's like, well, what does this got to do with me, pastor? I don't know nothing about Adam and all them people. Well, look, look, this is the truth of the matter. All of us that saying I would be good if. I would be good if my husband would just act right, I'd be good. If my wife would just act right, I'd be good. If my kids would listen to me, I'd be good. If my boss and the guy at the grocery store, and if I had more money, and if I had this, and if I wasn't sick, and if I wasn't that, if I lived so-and-so, I'd be good. That's what we would say. But the truth is, Adam was born a pure innocent. He was good. He had the perfect job. I mean, 
He was created for the job. So he had the perfect job. He had the perfect spouse. She was created to fit him. Mm. 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 None of that hard work trying to make it work. It just fit. Ah, Lord. Look, he even had the perfect environment. I imagine 73 and sunny every day. Because you know that 70, between 72 and 75, that's the sweet spot. No humidity, sun's just out, gentle breeze, not too hot, not too cold. We could just live there. He had the perfect relationship with God. You know, and this is one of the things that, well, I, what does God really want? Adam knew. He didn't have to wonder what did God want. He saw God with his own eyes. He heard God with his own ears. He didn't have to wonder, well, what did God, what was God talking? What, if you didn't know what he said, you just wait till he show up in the afternoon and say, hey, God, can we have a conversation? He didn't have to worry about what the preacher said, what his mama said, what the pastor said. He didn't have to worry about none of that. He knew exactly what God wanted because he was right there with God. Oh, Lord. Even perfect health. I can only imagine that, Johnny, all that work you're doing to stay fit, Adam was born like that. <laughs> so he had nothing to complain about, but yet as soon as the idea was introduced to him, he made the choice to not obey God. So here we go talking about if everything was right, I would obey God. Well, the very first one of us did not do that. So the idea that you, smarty arty, that if it was you, you wouldn't do it, that's probably not so. Probably not so. And brother made a choice. A lot of folk like to harp on whose fault was it? Was it Adam or Eve? Well, Adam chose to listen to Eve. Now, a lot of people jump through a lot of exegetical hoops trying to say, oh, well, he wasn't really there with her. He was under a tree someplace. The Bible said he, she gave it to her husband there with her. So that means dude standing there watching this whole thing happen. He knew what God said, and he still chose to listen to what his wife said. Even when he knew what God said. Some pastor out there needs to be saying, amen, 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 amen. So the idea that if Adam, if I was in Adam's place in this perfect environment, that I would never do the things that God said not to do. Well, they only had one rule. They only had one thing they had to get right. There was only one thing they had to contend with. That one fruit on that one tree in the garden. And they didn't get that right. So forget about the idea that, oh, God shouldn't um, deal with me harshly because it wasn't me. It was Adam. It was you. If it wasn't you, then it would have been you in a minute. Because if you look at the situation now, you know better and you still don't do it right. And none of us does. I'm not, I'm not standing up here acting like I get it right. That Please talk to my wife, my kids, my mama. They go back generations. It's like, no. I don't stand here acting like I got everything right. I did not and do not get it. As a matter of fact, just, this just happened. The devil just got me a minute ago. 
devil just got me. Couldn't believe he got me like that. But he got me. He got me. But I got him now. I see what he's doing. I see what he's doing. But he did. I got to confess, he did, he did get me. So I can't be mad at Adam. Can't be mad at Adam. Because if I know better and I still got got. But here's the thing. Jesus was born. See, because that one man, Adam, messed up, so now the rest of us have to contend with this idea that I want what I want. We have to contend with this idea. Well, did God really say? See, one thing that was great about Adam, he didn't have to worry about contextual exegesis. What? Well, wait, in that culture, what were they really talking about? What did he really mean? No, it's a tree, it's a fruit, don't eat it. But now we're in this situation now where we have to deal with, okay, that was 2,000 years ago. Was that for the nation of Israel or was it just for me? Is that, was that for when they were talking? Was it for the nation of Israel or was it for me? Now we got to try to figure that stuff. We have to deal with all of these things that go wrong. Bad wiring, faulty speakers, mics that don't work when they're supposed to. And then all of a sudden, we back to Adam again. But Jesus was born. And when Jesus was born, God says, okay, first Adam, you messed up. I'm going to make me a second Adam. Now, this Adam was born with the same innocence as the first Adam. Because everyone like, oh, it's because I got a sin nature. That's why. It's because of Adam, and they passed down this sin to me. I can't help but sin it, because of the sin nature. Well, God made a second Adam with the same innocence, and then he turned it up a bit, because that second Adam was brought into a world that the first Adam didn't have to deal with. That second Adam was brought into a world where he had to deal with liars, haters, plotters, schemers. I mean, he had to deal with people who literally was trying to kill him. A lot of us is like, oh, they, they, they trying to kill me. No, they literally was trying to kill Jesus. He had to deal with the same loss and disappointment and hurts and hunger and tiredness. All the same stuff that we complain about. This second Adam had to deal with those things. But God sent him on a mission. And because this second Adam said, I'm going to obey God. The father says, this is what I want you to do. And the second Adam said, I'm going to do it. He even got to a point where he says, um, Father, um, is it possible we could do this some other way? Is it possible that I cannot have to go through the extreme depth of this pain that I know I'm going to suffer in order to do what you want? Is it possible for me not to do that? But nevertheless... It's not what I want, Father. It's what you want. So this second Adam, because of his obedience to God, now what did he do? He actually opened up the, the path for all of us to step into the very presence of God, which we had thrown away because we disobeyed. So, everyone complains. We all in trouble because of Adam. Well, God says, yeah, everybody's in trouble because of 
the first man did something wrong. But guess what? Everybody that's in trouble can get out of trouble because the second man did what's right. So we don't have to sit complaining about all the trouble we in and all the stuff that's gone wrong because there's a path out of the trouble. It's like with pastor. So that means if, 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 if I follow Jesus, everything going to be good? It's like, oh, no, I didn't tell you that. I didn't tell you that. No, no. And anybody that does tell you that, they lying. I don't care if they do have a robe and a collar and all of the titles and stuff. They lying. It's not going to be easy. But here, this is what it is, though. This is what it is. You have the line that came from Adam. That's just about me. Just about what I want. Trying to fight to get my own way. Doesn't matter who I hurt as long as I win in the end. Now, we've seen this playing out in our country, even to the point where we're looking at our government. Anybody that look at the government and think that they're saying you, you need to take a step back. Because I don't care what affiliation you have. You have to realize that all of them have lost their minds. And they continue to promote hatred, pain, anger, fighting, selfishness, greed. They continue to promote that. Well, guess what? They acting like Adam. But when Jesus came, there's a whole nother group now. There's a whole nother group. The people that's following Jesus. Now, don't listen to them crazy politicians that's telling you that Jesus wants you to fight everybody. Don't listen to those crazy politicians that's saying, well, if you don't do it this way and that way, that God doesn't like it. Well, I'll tell you what, God don't like a lot of stuff. And it don't matter what your politics are to, to, to determine that. It doesn't matter. That doesn't matter what God likes. He's looking at your heart. He's looking at the person that you are. Well, God said, the Bible says this is wrong. It's like, yeah, we, we, we know that. We, we know the Bible said this is wrong. But when Jesus came, when, when Jesus came, what he did was open the path so that anybody that's following him now is no longer part of the hatred, no longer part of the hostility, no longer part of the anger, the bitterness, the fighting, no longer a part of that. So we got two clear divides here. On this side is Adam's children doing what they want. And on this side, we have Christ's children who are walking in love and peace and joy and patience and kindness. Now it's like, but pastor, I've seen some of those people that are saying that they're Jesus' children and they're not doing that. You know why? Because they really Adam's children and calling themselves Jesus' children. They're still doing the Adam thing. They're still following after that line. They're still his kids. So what's the question today? Whose child are you? When we come to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, we all know that this is not about presents and gifts and all of that stuff. That stuff is nice. And it, it brings family together. It makes people feel good. But if you're going to actually celebrate the birth of Christ, you need to stop and say, which one are you going to follow, Adam or Jesus? The first Adam or the second one? Who's the one you're actually going to follow? See, because this idea, look, I'm not saying you have to be perfect, but if you read the book, no one that followed Jesus was perfect. 
what they did was commit to being his disciples. So when we're talking about salvation, when we're talking about following Jesus, it's about saying, I don't want to be like Adam's kids no more. With all of this hatred and fighting, well, the hostility and anger. I don't want to get mad because someone doesn't do something I like. I don't want to get mad because someone doesn't believe what I believe. I don't want to get mad because someone says, this is who I am. And it's not who I think they should be. That's all Adam's children. Jesus' children says, come. The Father loves you. Come. All that you had inherited from Adam is being washed away and replaced with an inheritance from me. Because Adam's kids inherited his nature and the consequences of his sin. Jesus' kids inherited his nature and the benefits of his righteousness. And that's what we're seeking, and that's what we're promoting, and that's what we're asking people to do. We're not asking people to conform to some set of rules and regulations that our particular religion determines. We're not asking people, you have to follow this line and do it this way because this is the way God wants it. No, we're saying, if you're tired of being one of Adam's kids, with all of that hostility and anger and hatred, and you want to be a person that brings love and joy and peace into the world, then follow Jesus. Because it's by accepting him, by allowing him to come into your life, by allowing him to be in control, by allowing him to be the master of what you think and feel, by allowing him to do the work inside of you, then you become one of the people that's adding to the good. So I say to you again, whose child are you? What inheritance are you looking for? Who is it? Who is it that when it's all said and done, who are you going to look like? Bow your heads with me. In a world where there's been so much hatred, so much hostility, so much confusion, so many lies, so much dishonesty, in this world, you're going to have to choose which side you want to be on. You want to be part of the people that's adding more to that? Or you want to be to the people that's adding something good, adding some love, some peace, and some joy? You want to be with the people that are saying that, no, don't hate folk because you disagree with them. Show them love. If you see someone struggling, in trouble, hurting, how can you help? rather than judge and condemn. If you want to be that person, that starts with accepting Jesus Christ. Because nobody, nothing anybody else tell you. Look, as far as God the Father is concerned, if you believe that there is a God, there is the Father sitting in heaven, if you believe that, then the change comes by accepting his son. Because that's why he sent him. He sent Jesus to show us the way. He sent Jesus to be the way. He sent Jesus so that his sacrifice would cover all of the stuff we did not get right. And then we rest in that as he teaches us, as he grows us, as he moves us closer to being who we're supposed to be. And my journey don't look like your journey. Your journey don't look like my journey. I got to go through what I got to go through. And you got to go through what you got to do. Depending on how your mind is wired. 
My mind is like, it may not always the same. But if we're all going towards something good, moving towards something where we can be some, something that can add to this world rather than taking away. Well, I'd like to give you that opportunity today. See, because the Bible tells us it's, a, it's about acknowledging and accepting. And it has to be a definitive point in your life where you say, okay, I'm giving up that old stuff and I'm moving towards something new. There has to be a definitive point where you say, okay, that stuff, that anger, that hatred, that ugly part of my personality, I no longer want that. And Jesus, you promised to give me something better. So I'm going to ask you into my life. I'm going to ask you to teach me, to grow me, to move me into a place where I'm better than I was before. So I want to give you that chance today. Forget about anybody else that's around you, those that are home. If you're listening to this, I want you to stop for a moment and consider. Do you want the Lord to be the head of your life? Are you tired of the other stuff? Do you want to find a place of rest and peace? A place that is made for love and joy. If that's what you want, I want you to just raise your hand right now and put it back down. If you've never made that commitment before, I just want you to raise your hand and put it back down. It's not for anybody else, it's just for you. Those that are at home, raise your hand and put it back down. At one point, you got to decide if you want to change. But it's your choice. Always has been, always will be. Just as it was with Adam and Eve, they had to choose. Either do what God say or not. Because if you choose to do it your own way, then you're taking it on yourself. So for those that want to make that choice today, let me just lead you in a simple prayer. Father, I realize that I've been following the same attitudes and behavior as Adam. I've been doing it my own way. I wanted what I wanted. I questioned whether you had my best interests at heart. I questioned whether you knew what you were talking about. I realize now that that's not working for me and I want to change. You said, Lord God, that if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead, then you would be saved. So Lord, I don't know how all of this works, but Lord Jesus, I believe that you came from God. I believe that you died on the cross as a taking the punishment for my sins. I believe that you rose from the grave showing that you have power over death. And because you are alive, I can live. I can have a new life. So right now, Lord, I accept you in my heart. I accept you as Lord of my life. I believe that my sins have been washed away. I believe that I have been made new. I am changed today. And I thank you. Now let me just pray for you. Father, for those that have said that for the first time, Lord, what I'm asking is that you would just surround them 
with believers that will encourage and strengthen them, that will help and support and teach them, oh God. Lord, that will help to explain all that you would desire for them. Lord, I pray that you would protect them from the evil one that will try to take the word and snatch it from them, Lord God. Give that word time to grow, to mature. Father, only you can. Only you can. So Lord, help us as you do the work through us so that they will mature and grow and get better. Lord, we want to be part of what good that's happening in this world. We don't want to add to the evil. We don't want to add to the hatred. So Father, I'm asking that you would just help us manage our stuff. Help us, God, to get it right. Check us when we get it wrong. Then give us the strength and courage to keep going on. Father, this day has been your day. It continues to be your day. Please accept our praise. Lord, please accept our praise. And we thank you for this opportunity. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 Amen.